Now that's taking the place of one of my favorite subjects, which is thinking big in small places. Now that's taking the place of one of my favorite subjects, which is thinking big in small places. How many of y'all know we got to think big when small is everywhere? Doesn't matter if small or big is around you. You got it's how as, as a man thinketh in his heart. That's how it's going to go. So we're changing our thinking. Are you changing your thinking? Because we're surrounded by the world. We're surrounded by culture. We're surrounded by people that uh, don't have a clue, that are thinking small, that are defeated, that are everything's impossible, everything's hard. They have a problem for every solution. Did you ever, were you ever one of those people where you had a problem? Well, yeah, but how would we do that? Well, we'd do it this way. Well, what if they didn't do it? And what if this didn't work? Always have a problem for every solution. In Ephesians chapter 1, I want you to listen to what God's word, his letter, his personal message to you and to me. He said in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Could we say amen there? Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings? Well, yea. But then there's that part that says, in heavenly places in Christ. What an interesting addendum. Heavenly places. Blessed us in heavenly places. Slip over to uh, uh, verse 20. So let's go to verse 19. What is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? His exceeding greatness of his power to meward. If you want to personalize it, to meward, to me, who believe, I believe. Do you believe this morning? Oh, well, then there's exceeding great power to you if you believe. According, what is the measure? What's the level? What's the strength? What's the, what's the power of his greatness to you? Well, it's according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. Never been, never been more power released ever in all creation than the power that it took to raise Jesus from the dead. That was, that was the demonstration. And once that came into the earth... It's available to me and to you. And then he he said, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand. Where? Well, where he is, where God is in the heavenly places. Something about God thinking, thinking, you know, he needs GPS, I guess. Well, Lord, we're down here on earth. And he's saying, I sure do like y'all sitting with me in heavenly places. Well, Lord, we're down here on earth. The devil's down here, sin's down here, the curse is down here, mean people are down here. Did I mention the devil's down here? Sin's down here. He said, oh, I like y'all. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, the Lord says, that you're seated with me in heavenly places. Well, Lord, don't you know where we are? We're in 35405 or wherever you are. Well, he said... Set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. The new living says, For he raised us up from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. I looked it up in the Greek and the word heavenly there is the word heavenly. And then he said, Because, why are we seated with him in the heavenly realms? Because we are united with 
Christ Jesus. Are you united with Christ Jesus this morning? Are you in union with him? Is he in you and you are in him and we're one? Break those two eggs, put them in the skillet, and take that little whiskey, that whisk, 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 and just whisk them up and then say, I just called for one egg, I'll separate one out. Not going to happen, is it? Well, that's how we are with the Lord. Turn with me to chapter 2, since you're right there handy, and look in verse 6. Well, look in verse 5. For even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. By grace am I saved. Amen. By grace are we saved. Amen. And, and, by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together. Like two of us. And hath raised us up together and made, and made, caused to happen, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. He made you. He made. He made a way. Had a man tell me uh, in church last Sunday. I was at first church. Hallelujah. I said, DT, Thane, how you doing? He said, well, better than I deserve. I've heard that from him for 40 years. Better than I deserve. And I stopped him. I've never stopped him before, but I stop everything now. And I said, better than you deserve. So the blood of Jesus was inconsequential in your future. Well, that stopped him in his tracks. Hallelujah. Like, who are you and when are you going home? <laughs> ah, it's not better than we deserve. Well, you know, grace, it's, it makes us get more than we deserve. No. No, 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 no. I'm seated with him. I'm seated with him. I'm seated beside him, in him, with him, in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's who I am. That's what I have. And that's where I am. That's what the scripture says. That's what the word of God says. What if the word was true? What, what if this was true? So he said he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And that would be right now. I said, that would be right now. Well, some fine day when this life is o'er, I'll fly away. Well, yeah, yeah. But we, we've already flown away. The Lord's given us authority. We're not looking up and saying, oh, Lord, bless me in this little mess. No, we're looking down at our troubles and say, you are fixed in Jesus' name. I have authority over you, and I'm taking authority over you. The, the amplified, let's see, no, that's, a, that's the wrong one. Look in chapter 3, since you're right there in handy. Look in chapter 3. I mean, Paul was on a, he was on a roll. And only in Ephesians does he do this. Uh, verse 10, To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold or the diverse wisdom of God. So he, here he says, who are you that's sitting in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? Well, it's... It, the wisdom of God that is in God has been transferred or translated or in, in, inferred into us as if we were seated with him in heavenly places. In other words, we know some stuff. The wisdom of God. Well, where is it? Well, it's in heaven. Well, guess what? We're in heaven. Amen. Not physically, that's our physical body, but he's given us the authority as if we were already seated with him. When he gave us that name that's above every name, when he gave us that name of Jesus that's above every name, Amen. he gave us a heavenly name. 
Jesus isn't up there saying, oh, I hope this works out. Well, it looks like a rough day. The devil kind of got an advantage on us, Lord, and what are we going to do? No, it's never happened. And if it hadn't happened there and you're there, then it shouldn't happen to you and me. Amen? Amen. So who you are, say this, or believe this, think about this, who you are is demonstrated by where you are. If you're an old worm, if you're an old sinner saved by grace, well then just be the best old sinner. Be a sinner. I mean, get drunk. Smoke it. Throw a needle in your arm. Do something. If you're a sinner, be a good sinner. Don't be a halfway sinner. Get on it. Get after it. Make a demo. Get a video and send it out to all your friends. Bet you hadn't sinned like this in a while. But if you're not a worm, if you're not an old sinner saved by grace, if you're somebody in him, and I am somebody in him, well, you know, our, our righteousness is, is filthy rags. That is Old Testament. That says it in Isaiah. But something happened since Isaiah. His name is Jesus. And I, something happened with me since Isaiah. I received Jesus. I received the Son of God into my life. And the Bible said he made me a son of righteousness. He who knew no sin, 2 Corinthians 5.21, became sin, was made sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. I'm so happy to be somebody in him. I was what I was, but now I am who he made me. And that's how it is, and it won't be different. Now, here's what we're going to say. We are not affected by this world. If we're seated with him in heavenly places, who's going to touch us? I'm untouchable. Well, what about this and what about that? That's your fault. That's my fault. If the devil calls you a willy-nilly... And you say, I must be? Well, then that's your fault. But the Lord God never said you were a willy-nilly. Never said you were a weenie. Never said you were a loser. Never said you were, you were behind and underneath and, by, and on the other side. Said you're the greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. And that's what the Bible says about you. So why would you believe your friends? They're no friends. Job had those friends. We are not affected by this world. But we are world changers. Change your world. Somebody's coming into your world and going out of your world. Change your world. Did you hear me? Yes. Change who's in your world. Well, can you affect this and that and world events? Well, we pray our part and all things work together for good. Turn with me to Romans chapter 10, would you please? Romans chapter 10. Hallelujah. I am motivated. You are motivated by certain things. When Deborah Ann goes in the kitchen about 11 o'clock and she calls me at 12 and said, lunch is on, I'm highly motivated to get out of my wherever I am and get myself into the kitchen, into the table. I do not say, can I wait an hour? I'm motivated. I have a history of being in that chair in front of the table. It's, it's, it's good, good, good. Well, we're motivated in the kingdom, not by heaven, although heaven is wonderful, and we'll talk about it sometime, how wonderful heaven is, how it's never wrong to go to heaven. 
People lament. People going to heaven early. Well, if you're born again, it's just never a bad thing. You should have done better. You should, could have done better. But heaven's good. Amen. We are world changers. Yes. That's right. Something happened to us at the new birth. You may not be paying much attention to it. You may have been just like, whatever, I'm busy in life and I got a lot of troubles. But something happened in there and that seed, that life, that light, that zoe, life of God is inside of you. And you can never turn it off. You may shade it, put your lamp, your candle under a basket or under the bed, but it's still in there. And God wants to shine bright through you and me. So I'm motivated by the quest for revelation. I'm not satisfied to just know what the world knows. Could I have a better amen? I said, we're not satisfied to just be good enough is good enough. Well, I know this and I know that. That'll get me by. It's got me by and it'll, it'll probably get me by. But what you used to succeed last year probably won't cut it this year. Did you catch that? Because faith is progressive. And where you're going, you can't get there from where you are. But you can build your life, increase your life. You can know things you've never known so that you can be something you've never been and have things you've never had. Do things that you've never done. So we're, we're making progress. And revelation is how you make progress. Suddenly you just know in your knower things that you can't know. You have a confidence. You have an assurance. You have a... A, a, a knowing down in here. I just know that. Like knowing Jesus. If we were to have Bible drill this morning and you tell me, prove that you're a Christian. Prove that God is who he says he is. You might stumble around, but it all comes back to you, but I know down in here. I know down here in my belly. I know down here in my inward man. So we're motivated to live above. And when I was where I was this last week and other places, you realize that's not something that everybody has, that there's a lot of people that are born again that are not motivated for revelation, that what they know is all they want to know. I said they're satisfied. And it's an empty life to never know anything new about the things of God. We're children of God. I'm a child of God. Are you a child of God this morning? Well, what part of you is the child of God? It's the eternal part. It's the part that will live forever. It's down here. This body's going to fall off someday. Whether we put it in the ground or whether we, we go up and caught up with him. But we're all getting new bodies. So the body is not the main thing. Don't fall in love with her just because she's beautiful. Someday she might not be quite. And just because you weigh 148 pounds and you can bench press 3,000 pounds and you can run uh, a two-minute mile or whatever, whatever people say they can do, let me just tell you, that body will faileth. Amen. And it will sag. <laughs> and it will droop. <laughs> and it will rankle. <laughs> I probably, you don't believe me? Just look around. It's, it's uh, the best of us have fell before the age. 
But it's, uh, it's not our natural appetites that control us when we're born again. Now listen, we got appetites. We need appetites. We might not sleep if we didn't have an appetite and get sleepy. We might not eat. Although I've just about perfected it. I, I think I've got that mastered. I'm going to eat. I'm gonna, uh, we don't miss many meals where I am. Amen. But we're not controlled. That's the difference. We're not controlled by our appetites. They're the natural man. We're controlled by this man in here, the man that lives forever, the man that's pleasing God. So we're not controlled by them. But we get, we get impatient, or I do, I get impatient to be around people that are controlled by their, their appetites, by their carnal desires, even though we all have them. But we don't let them control us. And so... It's not enough anymore to have these appetites and just be going from pillar to post, from meal to meal, to pleasure to pleasure, to fun to fun, and having all that. I'm not even satisfied with just going to heaven. Thrilled and confident and excited about it. Excited about heaven. Excited about heaven. But I'm not satisfied with just going to heaven. Can you, can you get that? Does that sound okay? So when I'm around people that are satisfied, got my ticket punched, got my belt notched, I'm going to heaven. And that's all they talk about, I'm going to heaven. But everything about them is just a natural life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says that we are bought with a price, we are not our own. Let's put that in first person. I am bought with a price. I am not my own. Again, I am bought with a price. I am not my own. That's what it says. And when you get that in you, then just going to heaven is not enough. Now, I'm talking to the saints this morning. If we were talking in another church, that we would be all about getting you saved or getting you rededicated. Or getting you, you know, telling you about your sin and how you're, you're a sorry worm and you ought to do better. But that's not who we are. We've already put that aside. We're not just satisfied with going with heaven. I want my life to, to be marked on the earth. Because the same man that's going to heaven is still here. He's in this body. He's in this soul. But I'm still here. I'm bought with a price. When you get that in you, when you get I'm bought with a price, you realize you're not your own. If you're not your own, if you're not the master and the ruler of your life anymore because you're bought with a price, why did you have to be bought? Well, because the devil bought you. Sin took you captive and sending you to hell. Not sending so much is that if you don't have righteousness in you, you can't go to heaven because only the righteous can enter into God's home, God's place, God's sanctuary. So not by virtue of being evil and bad do you, do you not go to heaven. There's just no other place for you to go. So we go to hell. People go to hell. Sinners go to hell. Are you all with me? I'm going somewhere. Hang on. Just stay with me. So 
And, and so when you get born again, you say yes to Jesus, it's a great day. Woo-hoo! I'm not going to hell. I'm going to heaven. I'm going to be with him. But there's something about falling in love with somebody and they're not, they don't live right there next to you. So you have to correspond and call and send flowers and, you know, remember her birthday and all that sort of stuff that makes you want to do more than someday you want to talk to her now and send her stuff now and coo a little of now. Oh, baby, you're so sweet. Yes, I am. <laughs> we, want it, we want it all the time. So when you're bought with a price, you realize that not just in heaven, but right now, today, I want to serve him as if I'm in heaven, as if I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Romans chapter 10, look in verse 9. So let's just go over some basics. I know you know all this, but let's just put it in a different context. Uh, verse 8. Let's go back to verse 8. What saith the word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach. And then he puts that word in verse 9, that. So he said that to say verse 9. That, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Why? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. Not the head, but with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So you and I will never believe more than we're willing to say. If you never say what you say you believe, your believing is subject to challenge. If you won't tell somebody, I'll pay you back this money you loaned me, you need to just say, I just sowed this money into you because it's not coming back. The bank doesn't just say, let's shake hands on it. They make you sign a deal saying, I said, and I could go to court and they can prove I said, I will pay this money back or I will do this. If thou wilt confess with thy mouth, what? Let's say it together. The Lord Jesus. Well, now that's different than my experience of getting inducted in the kingdom. They didn't make sure that I was a sinner. But you have to be made a sinner before you can get saved. Otherwise, it's just like... I want to ride this Ferris wheel. Well, it's $2 per ride, but you can have two rides for $3. Oh. That's what they've made heaven. It's just like, well, this is a good deal. Let's go to heaven. But first you have to be made a sinner. You have to go to hell first. What I mean by that is, is you have to know that it's not just every, everybody, everybody, everybody wants to go to heaven if there's no downside. Why wouldn't you get two rides for $3? It's such a deal. Well, why wouldn't you say yes to heaven? Why wouldn't you say yes to heaven if, if someone says it doesn't cost anything? 
There's no, there's no downside to this. Just, just say, Jesus, come into my heart. You don't have to mean it. You don't have to know what you're saying. You don't have to know anything. Jesus, come into my heart. And then the preacher or whoever says, you're going to heaven. What a deal. You can buy a gold brick for 50 cents. Well, who wouldn't? But that's not what it says. That's not what it says. It says, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. I looked it up in the Amplified. It says, if you will acknowledge and confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord. There's no ask him into your heart business there. It's a contract, so to speak. I mean, it's not, but it, but it is because you make a contract with your mouth. The message translation, which is always kind of off the wall, say the welcoming word to God, Jesus is my master. Wow. Now, that was never brought up when I was presented the new birth. How about you? Jesus is my master. The word Lord, if you look it up in the Greek, it means supreme in authority. Say it with me. Supreme in authority. What? Supreme. I mean, that's like at the top. That's like the most. That's like there's no more of anything that has more of anything. Supreme. It means, uh, let's see what it means here. Uh, it means controller. They never told me that. They just said, if you want to go to heaven, just repeat after me. Jesus, come into my heart. Okay, you did it. They didn't tell me that he was now my controller. I might have counted the cost. I might have considered that I'm bought with a price and not my own. Someone was telling me the other day that they, they know people that want to know when Jesus is coming back. Can you give me an idea? Is it going to be in July or is it going to be this year? Well, why would you want to know? Just be ready. Well, I don't want to be ready. I want to party hardy until the last minute, and then I want to switch gears and turn around and go with Jesus and get in just like all you fools that have been serving God all your lives. I want to play the world, and then I can get the best benefits. Both worlds. The only problem is, is when you say no to Jesus all your life, it's hard to say yes. Lots of men on their deathbed. Plan this same plan. I'll say yes to Jesus at the last. But they've controlled themselves to say no. They can't say yes. And they go after... It's, it's a poor plan. Besides, the world doesn't have anything. Listen to me. The world doesn't have anything to offer you and I that's more fulfilling, more gratifying, more satisfying, more anything than the walk with God. This is it. We, we are living the life we are living the, 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 the vida. It means master. Lord means master. If you will confess with your mouth the master Jesus. Sounds like a lot of submitting. Sounds like a lot of giving up. Sounds like a whole change of life. Sounds like a reversal of the way you're going and going his way. It sounds like listening to see what he wants us to do or become or have instead of just saying, Lord, I'm doing this. I hope you can bless it. I'm on my way. Do you all know any Christians like that that act like that? You really wouldn't know their heart, but they would act like that. And 
so in America, into this context, of everybody is all about uh, going to church or, or whatever, and them throwing the net. You know, throwing the net means asking people to receive Jesus. And there's no, everybody's excited. Woo-hoo, little Johnny went up to the front and gave his heart to Jesus. Everybody's excited about that. But what if you were in a country like Iran? Where to own a Bible, to be found with a Bible, means not only do you go to prison, but your wife and children go to prison for 30 years. It's not like just take me and I'll bless my kids. Everybody goes. That's what's happening in Iran and Albania and a lot of other countries. Korea. Oh, I said that about... Iran, it's, it's North Korea that does that. Happened the other day. A man was found with the Bible. And his whole family, his parents, his children, his brothers and sisters, all carted off to, to uh, labor camp. So would you be willing to say, Jesus is Lord, I'm bought with a price and I'm not my own? When the state says you are bought with a price, but you're our own. Would you, would you be water baptized? in front of a group of people if, if water baptism, water baptism does not save you. Let's see, we all, you ask people, well, are you saved? Yeah, I got water baptized last year. So, what if we were in a country or an environment where to get water baptized, which is the proclamation that I'm aligning myself with him. I'm bought with a price, I'm not mown. Jesus is Lord. And as an outward demonstration, instead of going into the marketplace and saying, I'm a Christian, the word says you get immersed. You, get, you go under, and when you get raised up, you're, you're buried with him in crucifixion, in death, and raised up with him in life. And you're telling everybody, I'm identifying with him. What if they came right after the service and hauled you off? And you know that because last time it happened, they hauled somebody else off. Ooh, you might make that thing about Jesus a little more secure. So there's a cultural aspect to being born again. It doesn't always mean the same thing to everybody. What the Word seems to say, if thou shalt confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, is not what culturally what is happening. And I'm telling you, I just was at the place where they do that. Instead, we find that the Word teaches us that when we get born again, it's not a decision of the head, but it's a conviction, a persuasion, an assurance down here that says, I, that's who I am, I can do nothing else. I'm sold out. Whatever the cost, renounce Jesus, bang. Just pull the trigger, I don't care, because that's who I am. That's different than just saying, I, I'm going to heaven. Nanny Nunu. So, who are you? The Bible says you are a radically changed, inside out creation. Radically changed. There's nothing in you that's left untouched. But it seems like the, the, the social church, the cultural church, is living about, it's a social group. 
You get saved because I'm with them versus I'm with those. They like free concerts. Church is fun. I like church that's fun. I think we ought to have fun every, every service. Uh, getting saved in some cultures is like the preacher standing up and saying, what you're doing is enough. If you come to church every once in a while, then you're saved. If you're an American, you're saved. It's all who you are. But the Word doesn't teach that. It talks about being sold out. And that's where the life is. If you want what the Bible says we should have, we have to do what the Bible says we should do. So people are wanting to be healed, but they don't want any commitment. And the Word says that healing is for those that are sincere. You don't have to be real mature, but you have to be committed, sincere. You have to be in. So when you get born again, what happens? All of heaven's resources, seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, become not just available, but the Lord starts actively moving in your life every day to bless you. It's not just like, well, if I ask the Lord, he might put me in the box and pull me out and say, okay, here's John. Let's see what we can do for him. Every day the Lord gets up. Y'all know how he gets up. Never, neither slumbers nor sleep, but he's there when we get up and he's actively pursuing an avenue, a strategy, a, a blueprint to put and get blessings into your life. He's not passive about it at all. Because you and I are where? We're seated with him in heavenly places. We're not just worms and insects and bugs down here that are trying to get along and trying to make it in the world that's got the devil and sin and the curse and all that. Remember this. Let's just look at his track record. In the Old Testament, when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and he delivered them out with a mighty hand, 10 plagues, no problem. If it takes 20, we'll just keep going. But the 10th one was rather severe. The firstborn in Pharaoh's house died and got his attention. But after he got them out, the, the people started griping. Lord, we're tired of this and tired of that. And so he, he said, I'll fix it. He told Moses. Moses was kind of telling him, Lord, I'm not saying, but they're all saying. And I'm, you know, I, but I'm not saying, but they're saying. 600,000 footmen. The Lord said, I can feed them. Matter of fact, in Numbers 11:23, the Lord said unto Moses, Is the Lord's hands waxed short? Thou shalt see now whether my words shall come to pass unto thee or not. I want to tell you that's a good word for today. Let's look up and say, Is the Lord's hand short? Is it waxing short? Thou shalt now see whether my words shall come to pass to thee or not. So the Lord sent, uh, uh, how much did he send? He sent for 30 days, he fed quail to 600,000 footmen. And the word said it was two cubits deep. A cubit is about, it's from the elbow to the fingertip. About 18 inches. So that'd be three feet full of quail everywhere. The biggest problem was fine cooking oil. 
and skillets. <laughs> Flippers. They ate like kings for 30 days. Matter of fact, they got tired of it. They got tired of it, started throwing it up. How much manna can the Lord supply when he's in a hard spot? Well, he's never been in a hard spot, but the Word says, we figured it up, 65.7 million tons of manna got poured out in 40 years. Ah, the Lord had a bread shop on every corner in heaven, don't you think? Wow. How much water? Moses struck the rock. They didn't have any water. They were complaining that they were thirsty. So he struck the rock, and based on how many people were there and their needs, 77 million gallons per week. To give you a comparison, I looked it up. Tuscaloosa County in 1995 only burned 68 million gallons per week. And we have a lake with a river and all that. So the Lord could supply some meat, some bread, some water. Well, how rich could a Old Testament man be? Solomon had 2.1 or so trillion dollars of wealth. Ah, let me just tell you, if you've got a hundred thousand, if you've got a million, just a million, after you get the new car and the new house fixed up, after you buy a few watches and earrings and whatever men and women buy, after that it gets boring. I know you think you could do more with more, but really there's just so much you can show out and eat and so God's well able to take care of you and me. So we should be mindful of what we're, who we are and what we have. We should never worry about stuff. So I'm, I'm titling this message, Thinking Heaven in Worldly Places. i got to change the way I think or I'll think there's not enough. I'll think we're almost behind. I'll think there's little in the house. I'll think, what are we going to do? Shame on you for saying, what are we going to do? Because he was taking care of the old covenant man, and they were looking good. Praise God. Matthew chapter 5. If you use your faith at all, just pray, just pray that God, that we'll, we'll get out by 12. <laughs> He's been gone. <laughs> and I never turned it off while I was gone. You know that's right. Matthew 5, 38, what does it say? The Lord Jesus said, Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. It actually, if you look that up, it's more than that. It's a life for a life. It's If you burn somebody, you get burned. Uh, uh, if, you, if you take a daughter or, or abuse a son, yours gets taken. It's all more than that. But he said, But I say to you that ye shall resist, that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now that's a cultural shock. We're a very litigious culture. You touch me and I'm suing you. And if any man will sue thee at the law, take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him too, twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto thee, Love your enemies, 
Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. This is a hard saying. So you've got to be more than just going to heaven to have this inside. You've got to be bought with a price. You've got to be seated with him in heavenly places. This is the test of who we really are. Oh, greater is he that's in me than he's in the world. Well, yay. But let's see how that plays out. Amen. Turn with me to Romans chapter 12. I really am going somewhere with this. And we're almost there. Romans chapter 12. Now how about this? How about thinking about how God thinks? How about thinking heaven in worldly places? If you're not satisfied, and I'm not, with all that the Word says versus my life, and I have a good life. You have a good life? We have a good life. Best it's ever been. Best it's Our life is the best it's ever been. And it's not because we're in America. Because there's lots of people that don't have a good life that live in America. U.S. citizens. But I'm having the best life I've ever had right now. And so the, bet, the enemy of, of best is better. I could stop right here and say, huh, this is pretty good. Why would you want five TVs in your house if it's just you and mama? That's crazy. Why would, why would you want uh, a brisket and ribs every night? By the fifth night, you're tired of that stuff. Bring me some macaroni and cheese. You know? Even the, rare, the very rich have to exercise. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Romans chapter 12 says this verse. You've seen it before, but we're going we're gonna to bring it out about how God, good God is. Re recompense to no man evil for evil, so don't repay. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. So that's reflecting what Jesus said, isn't it? Is that right? Yes, and then he said, Dearly beloved, Here's the hard one. Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto, but rather give place under wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Well, I looked it up in, in a whole bunch of translations, and all these boys got it wrong. They got it all wrong. They said. Sit back and God will smack whoever smacked you. But that's not what he told me to do. He told me to walk another mile. He told me to give the cloak to the one that asked for the coat. He said if, if they smack you, turn the other cheek and let them smack the other one. But here the way they've translated, vengeance is mine, I will repay. In other words, I will smack whoever smacks you. That's how they've read it. And that's how all the translations read. But that's not what it says. And that's not what it means. Uh, the Passion version says this. Have y'all got Passion up there? Here it comes. Here it comes. Never hold a grudge or try to get even, but you're plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend. Beloved, don't be obsessed with taking revenge 
But leave that to God's righteous justice. For the scriptures say, if you don't take justice in your own hands, I will release justice for you, says the Lord. So what if it meant, what if it meant, the pronouns there meant, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, I will repay you. And literally I wrote down what that could mean, I will repay you everything that you lost. Instead of saying I will repay you by smacking him, what good is that to me if he smacked me and the Lord comes around and smacks him? How much better do I feel? What if he stole from me and so the Lord takes money away from him? How does that help me? It doesn't help me. But yet he's the one that fed him the quail and the manna and the water. And, and he, he's just doing this for Old Testament men. What about me, Lord? If I walk a, a mile and he says walk another and I say yes, how does that benefit me if you cripple him because I had to walk with him? No, what it means is I will repay you everything you lost, saith the Lord, and I will deal with evil men with my justice. Well, what if I am the smacker? What if I smack somebody? Not literally. I'm, I'm, I'm a little smaller than some people, and I'm careful who I smack. <laughs> you, know, you get that way when you never get to be 6 foot 10 or whatever. I'm 4 foot 18, if you want to know. If you're measuring me on camera, I'm 4 foot 18. But anyway, what, what if we ever messed up and, and did something wrong to somebody? Do we want this scripture to work? Do we want him to say, okay, Michael, you, you, you cheated someone. I'm fixing to take you down, son. I'm fixing to take you down. That's not what he means. He said, when someone does you wrong, whatever that you got shorted, whatever damage or hurt or, or thing that happened to you because somebody was mean, he said, the Lord said, I'll make it up to you. Amen. Whatever it would have been, I'll make it up to you. I'm going to read you a verse. It's in Genesis chapter 31. I'm going to show you this in the Bible. And then we'll go. I promise we'll go. Put your pot roast on for 1 o'clock instead of 12.15. Hallelujah. <laughs> your pot roast is not my responsibility. Hallelujah. Uh, chapter 31 of, 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 of Genesis. Now listen to this. This is Jacob. Y'all remember good boy Jacob? Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And uh, he, he's uh, making a deal. He wants a wife. And uh, that's a good thing the Bible says. So he wants a wife. And in verse 5 it says, uh, uh, Jacob's telling his wives, he said, uh, I see your father's countenance that it's not toward me as before, but the Lord, but the God of my father hath been with me. And you know that with all my power I have served your father, and your father hath deceived me, and changed my wages ten times. But God suffered him not to hurt me. Well, how'd that happen, Jacob? Laban, if you read it, Laban changed the rules. Sheep back then, I'm, I don't know much about sheep, but there was a small percentage of defective sheep. They called them ring-straked or uh, mottled. It was, you know, it was a rare thing. So what he did is he told, Laban says, Hey, son, I'll give you all the odd ones, all the ones that hardly ever show up. That'll be your pay. That's all you're getting. Verse 8 says, And he said, Thus the speckled shall be thy wages. What happened? 
Then all the cattle bear speckled. And if he said, Thus the rain streaked shall be the hire, then bear all the cattle rain streaked. Thus God hath taken away the cattle of your father and given them to me. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I will repay. Wowie. Uh, how about this? This is in chapter 50 of Genesis. Verse uh, 20. I don't want to bore y'all. I do not want to bore you. But I get so excited about this stuff. About how good God is and how much he wants to be good to you. It's like, what does God think about all day? What does he think about? Well, I'm going to start a new universe over here and I'm going to work on the poor people over here. No, he's thinking about his children. What do you think about all day? I mean, in a, in a course. We think about our kids. We sent them to the best schools. We took another job so we could give them the nice clothes so they would go to school and be like everybody. We did and we did and we did for our kids. Well, you think that came from us? That came from him. In chapter 50, verse 20, Joseph. Y'all remember the story about Joseph, the dreamer? And they put him in the pit, and they sold him to the Midianites. The Midianites sold him to Potiphar. Potiphar then uh, put him in charge of his household. His wife lied about him, got sent to the prison. He was in prison 12 to 15 years. Told some dreams, some interpretations of some dreams. Pharaoh had a dream, couldn't figure out what it meant. They said, well, there's a boy down in the hole that, that does that. They brought Joseph out. He interpreted the dream for Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said, I like you. You smell good. I'm going to make you number two in the whole nation. Then all of a sudden there's a famine in the land down the road, a famine in the land. And Joseph's number two. Actually, he's number one, but, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a figurehead title that you're Pharaoh. And so Jacob sends his sons to Egypt and said, we're going to die if y'all don't go down there and get us some grain. So he went down there and they, they stood before uh, Joseph and Joseph recognized them. And he could have had them all put in the, the wally pop. He could have done anything he wanted to. He, he, is the, he is the top man in the world. Instead, it says he drew aside and cried and wept. And so then one day, his sons recognized him. He took off his Egypt stuff. And they said, oh no, it's, it's curtains for us. But Joseph knew about vengeance is might, saith the Lord. I shall repay. And in verse 20, well, look what Joseph said in front of all this. But as for you, ye thought evil against me. But God meant it unto good to bring to pass, as it is this day, to save much people alive. So when you get persecuted, when somebody does you wrong, and they, they will, they're not through. Do you deserve it? No. Well, sometimes we do. But we just repent and get it out of our life. The Lord said, pay no attention to that. I got this. He's thinking heaven in worldly places. He wants me to think. Oh, that's terrible what's happened to me. I think I'll tell everybody what they did to me. I've done that. Have you? This is, this is the way you nod. Yes, yes, yes. I've done that. Yes, we have. The Lord's got it. That's right. 
The Lord's got it. He's got a plan. He's got a master plan. He's, he's working it out. But if you don't know the plan, you're going to think occasionally, God don't care, or God's forgotten me, or, or i got to get revenge myself. i gotta go, I got to go blow this guy up because he tried to blow me up. You'll do that, and you'll miss the plan of God. We've got to think heaven, seated with him in heavenly places. I looked up these two scriptures and just in passing. Uh, Proverbs 13 says, The wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Oh, my. He's got a plan for the sinner that's over there prospering. Well, God, how come I don't prosper like he does? It's yours. It's yours. He holds on to it better than you do. But one day I'm going to snap it out of his hands. He'll lose it all and it'll all be yours. In Ecclesiastes 2, it says, For God giveth to a man that is good in his sight wisdom. Are y'all good in his sight? Yes. We got wisdom. We, we have revelation. We see what is not seen. We know what is not known. So we can do and have what's not done and had. I got one amen out of that. I don't know. What is it going to take? I'm fixing to, I'm fixing to keep y'all after school. <laughs> but to the sinner he giveth travail to gather and to heap up that he may give to him that is good before God. I want to tell y'all it's good. I want to tell you that there's plenty more. Whatever you have, the best, the best life you've ever had right now. And I would just, I would just say whether you're dumb enough to not know or not, you're living the best life you've ever lived right now. Jesus is good, good, good. And he's, he's better to people that know he's good than he can be to people that aren't. So, he's got a plan. He's thinking about you. Why? Because you're seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You're not a worm down here. Let's check on the worm farm down here, Jesus. See how the worms are doing. Ah, they're not doing too good. Ah, we're busy today. We can't do nothing about that. No. We're the focus of everything. Yes. Madison, he's focused on you all day, every day, thinking, what can I do for that girl? I got a plan for her. If she'll just, if she'll just hold her stuff and not go slap somebody because they slapped her, I can fix this. I can make this thing bigger than Dallas. I'm telling you, that's the way he thinks. If you think God doesn't care, you would be wrong. Because he careth much. And he's got a plan. And the Bible says that he ordereth our steps. If we'll just say, I'm yours, Lord, today. I'm bought with a price. I'm not my own. That could be negative. Oh, no, I have to give up my stuff. Well, yeah, for better stuff. For his wisdom, his revelation, his plan, his path, his life. Oh, my word, it's a good life. I told you about the, the, the not born again servants that were always yakking about God in the wilderness. He said, well, vengeance is mine. I'll repay this stuff. Oh, no. He said, we got, we got quail. Quail are good, y'all. If you buy quail in the store, you've paid. I've got manna. Not so much. Water. It followed them for 40 years. The Lord's got better than that for you and I. Let's wake up. Wake up, Michael. It's better than you thought. There's plenty more where that came from. If I only knew what God was planning to do. All these things that he said to us, everything is turning out amazing. Yes. Say it with me. 
Everything is turning out amazing. Now that's the truth. That's in Romans 8. All things are working together for our good. All things. All day, every day. Well, just hold that thought, Michael, because I, I need to run over to, to Uzbekistan and fix a few things. Can you hold on to what you got? I, I'll try to fix whatever's broke by the time I get back. I, I may be gone two weeks. He never leaves you or forsakes you. He never takes his eye off the sparrow. How much more does he have you and I? He, it's happened. So I'm cooperating. I'm changing the way I think. That's all I have to do. He's already done everything. All the infrastructure's in. All I have to do is agree with heaven. So, Father, we thank you that this morning you're giving us an opportunity to change our mind, to change our thinking, to change it to you. I am bought with a price. I, I'm bought with a price. I'm not my own. So I just release old, worldly, stinky, greedy, fearful thinking. I, I take co competition out of my life. I will not compare with anybody. I will not compete with anybody because there's plenty more for me. Whether they get it all for today, it'll all come back. Oh, you just are good, Lord. You're so good. So thank you, Lord, for being good to me. And I'm living the best life now. I'm living the life you designed for me. I'm cooperating for 70 years, I kind of went this way and that way. But right now, Lord, I'm on. Are y'all on? We're on, Lord. We're on. You can trust us. You can use us. We, we want to be used of heaven. I bless this people, Lord, because you have blessed us. And we thank you, Lord, for the good things that are on our way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I'm thinking heaven in worldly places. Let's stand up. Let's sing to the Lord.